Welcome to Streetlights, powered by the cities. I'm Giovanna. G is a primary teacher serving in the southwestern Sydney suburbs, and she is the co-host of Streetlights. And that's Johnny. He's an apprentice carpenter working across the central coast in Newcastle, and he's my co-host. Together, we're going to represent the good news. Welcome to Streetlights. Powered by the cities. So Johnny, who are we hearing from today? Let me tell you, G, last week we heard from Joshua Carney, and he is one half of our leader duo in Newcastle Cities. And today we are going to hear from the other half, but more specifically, your other half. <laughs> That's right, Johnny. Azora Ufangalilo will be joining us today. Azora is a Sydney-living, Brisbane-born, Newcastle newcomer and the other lead pastor of Newcastle City's Church. And he's also my husband. And he's also not my husband, but he's a great friend of mine. And so today I'm glad to be a great third wheel in this conversation. <laughs> and I'm excited to be going through another name that Jesus calls himself by. So last week we talked about the bread and today we're going to be talking about the light. Yeah, and I'm really excited about these topics too because I've grown up hearing the names of Jesus, um, but I'm now realizing how much of a connection it has with me. So yeah, I'm really keen. And I think that's the thing that we as listeners and as humans are always thinking, Jesus, you say all these things, but what does it actually mean for me? So I'm glad we're going to be able to unpack that today. Yeah, I'm with you too. So um, let's get into it. Let's get into our talk with Zora. Welcome Azora to Streetlights. How are you feeling? How's, what up? What up? How's um, everything going? Good afternoon. Um, yeah. <laughs> good my afternoon, class. My name is Azora. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for having me here, Johnny and G, on Streetlights. Um, I just want to say you guys have been doing such a wonderful job. Been listening to the past few weeks, but I'm excited for today. Excited to talk about Jesus being the light to the world, as he says, I am the light to the world. And as we're going to talk about the big idea today, which is ultimately in a world filled with darkness, and I don't think that's undeniable, there's a lot of darkness mm, happening in sure. this world, it definitely needs some light. And so I love that it's in, in the name, and it's also one of Jesus' I am statements in John eight twelve. So let's dive deep into that. And before we start, yeah, I went through some heartbreak this week, <laughs> G and Azora. Oh no. And Azora, I want to ask you, because <laughs> I feel like you might know how to handle this heartbreak. I just have to do a footy. Yes, my beloved oh. rabbit host <laughs> lost 50 nil to Melbourne Storm, and it was one of the saddest <laughs> moments of this year, watching that scoreboard stay that way for the end of the Look game. Man, like, oh. So knowing, bro, you go for the Brisbane Broncos. Who've, Absolutely. He probably goes through this heartbreak every week. Look, Johnny, you just if you're asking him of how he can handle it, he's not the person to ask. Because when the Broncos lose, he, I have to not yeah. talk to him for like a good hour because he needs to gather himself. So I think you're asking the wrong person here. Oh, okay, I see. So this is going to be like a marriage counselling session. <laughs> definitely not. Look, man, I can't help with you. I can't help with you. I can't help you with the problem. Uh, obviously, we're not both on the field. 
I wish I was on the field sometimes and not the Broncos, but as you all know, I'm a Brizzy boy. But, you know, life goes ups and downs. It's, it's the course of life, and I love that we're on here in the podcast. We just talk about life, and hey, Jesus is the light. So Yeah, you win some, you lose some. Anyway, <laughs> Rabbitohs Premiership 2021. You heard it here first. Uh, you wish, you wish. <laughs> Hey, so before unpacking what Jesus said, what it means to us, it's important to understand that the Bible, and I know Josh spoke a lot about this, but if you're tuning in first year today, the Bible is like a library of books filled with ancient writings written by various authors, written particular times, at a, for a place, for a particular audience. And I believe that it has impact on us today. I believe that we're going to draw something special from what Jesus says, that I am the light to the world. In John, and John is actually not only your name, but yes. it's one of the four good news books, which is um, what the gospel basically means. It means good news. So it's one of the gospels. And so when we're talking about the gospels, it's literally the good news of Jesus, right? Ooh. The good news of Jesus. But hey, before we dive into these deep uh, topics or themes or whatever, mm-hmm. gee, I know you like to cook, right? Oh, yeah. do, you, do you cook? Oh, yes. <laughs> do you, sorry, do you cook? <laughs> who's the, who's the, who cooks in your relationship? Who's the main? Is that a question, <laughs> Hey, it's, I know it's 2021, but yeah, G still cooks in our household a lot. Okay, well, I want to see where you're going time. with this. So, yes, I do love to cook. <laughs> Look, yes, you're my wife. You cook <laughs> a lot. Well, pretty much the only one who cooks. But what did you cook last weekend? Oh, my dad's bread. Your dad's bread. Yes. Oh, shout out to my dad. Life. Yeah, it was actually pretty cool because I was talking about the bread of life and she made the bread the next day. I was like, wow. <laughs> but it's, it's this hot, hot, fresh bread, her dad's recipe. Shout out to Papa Vince. <laughs> I know he might be tuning in. But um, I want you to tell us about the process of making bread. Um, this specific bread is actually a 12 hour process. Um, but unfortunately, uh, I wanted it really quick. So I cut (laughs) it down to, uh, less than half that time. Um, and it was still good, but, um, not as, not as good as my dad's one. So I wish that, yeah, I would have had that 12 hour and it would have just been really good. Yeah. Um, John, you cook? Do I cook? Call myself (laughs) Chef Johnny. Uh, if you want top-range spaghetti bolognese, don't go to the Italian sitting next to me. Go to yeah, go to the Tongan sitting next to me. <laughs> so that's all I can. Love I, I love my spaghetti, and that's all I'm going to be able to cook. I, hopefully, I can venture out more for um, my wife and my kids. But at the moment in time, spaghetti—that's what we're having. For <laughs> spaghetti for about three months straight. I love yeah. it. But hey, like the reason why I brought up bread because. Um, bread. How did you bring up G's cooking? What, what was oh, it? I brought up a few things actually. <laughs> but um, when we read the Bible, it's like bread. And a wise man once said that if you eat if you eat a whole loaf of bread, you'll choke. All right? If you eat a whole loaf of bread, you'll choke. But you got to slice it into pieces to enjoy it, and it'll be delicious. Mm. And so it's the same with reading the Bible. You can't just eat the whole thing. You know, you won't understand. I'm not saying you will choke mm. unless you eat the Bible itself, the actual book. <laughs> But, like, <laughs> it's important to understand, like, hey, like, these are passages for a time, a place, for a people, and, mm. it's, and it's, we need to cut it down. So like then, it, yeah, yeah, so we need to cut it down. It'll be delicious, good for our lives, and we'll <laughs> learn something else from it. So John eight 12, I'm just going to read it, and hopefully uh, as we go on, we're just going to cut it into pieces. Um, so Jesus spoke to the people, he said, once more and said, 
I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. A lot of big words, big claims. What, what immediately comes to mind? He is the light. So, obviously, opposite of darkness. Darkness, we associate with evil. Were, you, were any of you ever scared of the dark growing up? Oh, yes. 100%. The, then we take the rubbish out at oh, night yeah. when I was a kid. <laughs> you're taking out the rubbish and then you're looking, <laughs> who's coming? Do you ever do, I, I used to like to throw a quick couple of jabs just in case anyone's, just like I'm walking forward around the corner, just like, oh, okay. No one's there. Underneath the bed, anyone? That was scary. Boogeyman. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's what I think of light. It's just the opposite of darkness. So mm. It brings things out into the open mm-hmm. and such. Mm-hmm. Mm. For me, yeah, it brings me comfort. Like, I was so scared of the dark. I, I, I think it was throughout, still throughout high school, I was still wanted, like, the light on. My brother can contest to this because we would fight and he would always want it off. But, yeah, no, nah, like, I still had it on. So, for me, it brings comfort. It makes me feel um, relaxed and just okay with everything, I guess. Mm. Yeah. See, I, I love it because... Um Light is huge, and in the Bible it is huge. And for Jesus to say this in his day, it implies a big thing. Um, and so I, I, I always think about, you know, darkness isn't a real thing. Um, I, I think it's in Coach Carter he says, but darkness is just the absence of light, mm. right? Like there's no actual force, uh, or so to speak, like when we went in a dark room, you know what I mean? But it's just the absence of light. And so I think about a candle, uh when you light up a candle, it kind of fills up the room and then you can kind of get a sense of where you are. Mm. But when it's not there, you, you don't have a sense of what's around you, yeah. what's in front of you, what's behind you, things like that. But for Jesus to say, I'm the light of the world, woof. and if you follow me, you won't walk in darkness. It's huge. And I want to cut this up, right? Like like the bread that we're talking about. Let's, let's cut this up into pieces that I like to call who, what, when, where, and why. Is that five W's? Who, what, when, when, why? Yes. Who, what, where, when? Because like the <laughs> basic of a story in private school, is that right? Correct? Jeez. Yes, I was teaching that this week, actually. Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but I like to cut this up because obviously Jesus isn't just saying this out of the blue. Um, we, we're going to go back into the background and the context of Jesus saying this and, and, and so on. And so who? Uh, who's in the story? It's obviously Jesus. There's some people of Jerusalem. Um, that came from the temple. There are some Pharisees, uh, teachers of the law. Anyone can tell me about what Pharisees are? Teachers of the law, hey? <laughs> so were they lawyers? Yeah, it sounds like they were the, the suits. Hey, you did the theology degree. Come to the teacher here. Uh... <laughs> hey, so yeah, they were <laughs> teachers of the law, like religious people who practiced it and also taught it. Um, uh, in ancient Israel. So you and Josh. Um, the Are you Josh Pharisees? Can we call you Pharisees? Uh, I don't think you can call us Pharisees, but um, these people were specifically trained in, in, in stuff uh, in ancient Israel. And so there were Jesus, the people of Jerusalem, those mm-hmm. were, they were around at this time listening to Jesus' statement. And there's also probably the main character of the narrative is this woman who was accused of adultery, right? And so this is all happening in John 8. And so where is this happening? It's somewhere in Jerusalem. It's not far from the Mount of Olives. Um, does anyone know where? 
When? Yeah. <laughs> when did I ask? <laughs> nah. As in when wow. when was this story happening? See, I, mean, I think <laughs> we should cut the podcast there. <laughs> no, so Jesus saying I'm the light of the world ties to the season that was actually happening in the time. So it was a tab- tabernacle festival. Yeah. And that dates to the Old Testament tradition that um, where they would celebrate because God ultimately saved the people of Israel, the children of Israel, from enslavement in, in Egypt. And so this tradition was a festival and then like they would light up a whole bunch of candles. It was a big light festival. Oh, yeah. And so... Vivid. It was vivid. It was <laughs> almost like vivid. Vivid Jerusalem. Right? And, it, and it, it points back to God being the, the light that guided them out of enslavement. Right, and so for Jesus, he's saying like, "I am the light of the world." Like, he's the guiding light for everyone, um, out of ultimately the darkness of sin. And so, what's happening? That's what we're going to talk about today. Is that the Pharisees, which is uh, religious leaders, they bring a woman caught in the act of adultery, which is a crime, adultery, adultery. It, that's um, um, so that's uh, sexual relations between two people who aren't married. Ooh. Yeah, so th- this was um, considered a crime in, in ancient uh, Jerusalem. You better lock up everyone now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but obviously today it's a bit different, but back then it was it was a crime. And so the Jewish tradition, it required for this individual, which is actually the woman, to pay her crimes by being stoned to death. Oh, that's so rough. that, yeah, that is, it's yeah. big time rough. And so... Um, they're bringing this woman out to be stoned to death to pay for her crimes of committing adultery because she's been accused of it. And so the leaders used this op- as an opportunity to trap Jesus, which they didn't like in, in that time, in a way to get a response out of him, to trap Jesus and say, you know, this is what the law required, that this woman be stoned. What, what would you say? And we're going to talk about that. So Jesus saying, I am the light of the world, is part of his response to this story. So let's start from John 8, uh, pretty much 1, all up to 11, which is the verse, uh, which is um, one verse just before what Jesus saying, I am the light to the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness. And so this is what's happening. is that a group of Pharisees, as I said, they were religious leaders, they were bringing this woman to Jesus who committed adultery. Mm-hmm. So that was sexual relationships between people who weren't married and... Um, so the Pharisees actually had an underlying agenda um, bringing this woman to Jesus um, was, it, was it that they wanted to catch Jesus out hey that yeah. was the big thing yeah so so this woman was kind of a scapegoat she was used as means to an end yeah well, they didn't like Jesus obviously yeah. at this point this is like Jesus' second I am statement his first one was like I am the better life. It is, and, this is, and that kind of stirred up, I ruffled a few feathers, so you say it's like. Mm. And so these religious leaders are like, want to trap Jesus at this point. And they use this, this woman, as you say, you know? Objectification of women. We ain't about that podcast. <laughs> Streetlights, we support women. Absolutely. All so, the way. <laughs> as, as we're saying, essentially, they wanted to trap Jesus in front of all these people so they could use it as a response against him to disprove all that he's been claiming to be. 
So this is what's happening in this space. Um, and so this is what's basically happening, right? It's injustice, pretty much. Yeah, for sure. Because this woman, for all we know, she wasn't given the opportunity to change the course of her story. They just, it was, it was a moment decision, whatever adultery that what happened, and then just called her out and brought it to pretty much her fate, mm. it, which was being stoned to death, which is, she wasn't given an opportunity to change. She wasn't given an opportunity to rewrite her narrative or her story yeah. or even to be heard. You know, so it's like a big, big injustice there. And so in the midst of this, she's brought to public shame uh, in front of a group for to follow Jewish tradition and she's brought to Jesus for a response. And the event goes that Jesus writes something in the dust with his finger, right? So there's this crowd, big crowd, around. everyone's around, bring this, this woman and then Jesus is in the middle of this woman. And he starts to write something with his finger on, on the dust, on the ground. That's a boss move. Just not saying anything. And just would that be down. your first thing to do? <laughs> <laughs> not even. I'm like, why are these people? Who are these people? What are they trying to do? Absolutely. So many scholars have different interpretations uh, about what's going on. But simply, it's really unclear because the Bible actually doesn't say what he wrote on, on, the, on the ground. But it helps his response in some way because the accusers were, they were losing their cool and was like, Jesus... This woman was caught in the act of adultery. What do you say? Mm. They wanted him to say something. They want? Did they want to say? They wanted to be like Jesus. You know that the or whatever the law states is for us to kill this woman. Mm -hmm. And so were they saying? Were they wanted to see if Jesus was going to give that? Yeah, was going to follow through. Yeah, and say get killer. Yeah, killer, or or was going to be compassionate to her, um, and things like that. Yeah, you know. So the, so the crowd begins to roar. They're ready to, with the stones. I can just imagine the people just with stones in their hands, ready to throw them at this woman. And Jesus says this, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. <laughs> Literally, like, anyone here, anyone here who has never sinned, all right, you throw the stone to this woman. No one. Imagine being that person that was about to start, yeah. And like then like, Jesus says, like, oh, Keenan, oh, oh should I put this on yeah, my back? I, I lied yesterday. <laughs> Those are, I lied this morning. Oh, what? So what, what What? do you think that Jesus wrote in in the dust? What do you think was something that like made them angry? Look, I, a lot of people, well, scholars say that Jesus may have wrote on the dust to buy time. Oh, really? Jesus wrote on the dust uh, uh, a verse which actually um, alludes to what he's saying, if, if like which is points to Deuteronomy. Yeah, like that the accusers, if they actually saw this act, they were to throw the first stone. Yeah, but for him, say if you know if if you have never sinned, throw the first stone, and then no one threw it. Um, it's twofold: is that then they don't live perfect lives, and secondly, no one actually saw her do something wrong. Yeah. And so uh, there's a lot of things, but again, I can't go, I can't make up stuff. I don't want to make up stuff. Yeah. But it, does, it doesn't say anything. So it just shows how Jesus, he can perfectly work in those spaces where there's tension or conflict, but he's always acting in grace. He's mm -hmm. always compassionate. He's always showcasing love, which I, I think is awesome because the, this, the Pharisees, these guys, they, they, they keep wanting to try and get him to this, to this level of, calling him out or catching him out for doing something wrong, but he never does. Mm. He never slips. Yeah. And so 
the people, the crickets, as I said, people were leaving. The story goes that one by one, they each dropped their stones and they just walked away. And it was just Jesus and this woman left. So Jesus asked the woman if the accusers were there to, to cast the stone. And she says, no, they weren't because um, everyone had left. Mm. And then he says, his response is, well, neither do I. Go on and sin no more. Um, don't get this part twisted. Jesus isn't saying go and continue sinning or continue yeah. that life. But rather, he, I think he's displaying his sovereignty in that she is called to turn away from that life that she was living. Um, he, she, he's calling her to turn away from that. Yeah, he's giving her that second chance, mm. that chance to... Yeah, to be. rewrite her nar- narrative and, yeah, as you're saying. And so this, this event is happening and this is where John, um, Jesus is saying in John eight twelve, where Jesus spoke to those people once more. And he says, um, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Now, as I said, light is huge for a Jewish person. It was ultimately the ideal representation of salvation. Mm. Uh, it was a representation of knowledge and it was a representation of like goodness, everything that was good. And so for Jesus to say this, is, is, has huge implication for the Jewish person of that day. And so what's Jesus saying, you reckon? What is he saying with in this story, how he's telling mm. with the whole woman? Mm-hmm. I think he's, for me, I feel that Jesus is standing up against injustice in a way, but he's ultimately showing, you know what? The life that you live it might not be the right thing. It might you might not be doing the right thing. You might be stuffing up. You might be sinning, but there's I'm always going to be giving you the chance to move on and to move on. And and he does it in such a loving way. He and he does it in such a protective way. And that's what I love about who Jesus is. He's that. He's that love that will protect you no matter what. He's always got your back. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like yeah. He's always got your back. He's a guiding light, as you say. Mm. And so that's echoed throughout the entire Bible, even through the Old Testament. So Jesus is saying that everyone is actually invited to no longer, when we think of light in a spiritual sense, he's inviting everyone to no longer walk in spiritual darkness, but to have life mm. in his light. And so I think of light in like our, our day-to-day. Like I think light gives a lot. Of life to a lot of things. You mean think of plants. You think of um, you know there's there's light in the end of the tunnel. You know things like that. Now, you two, you both. Let's let's talk about where you first met. You met met in Avondale College yep. University. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah. So apparently there was a time period where the lights were cut out. That you, was before I came. Oh, that's before. Oh, so sorry. Were you? Did you? <laughs> Did you live during that time period? Yeah, I did. How was that like? Was that like, I, that just came to my head all of a sudden, like living without light, like it might be a bit crazy. So what was your experience then? Look, I, I guess the link there is like, it was a confusing time. Yeah. Because we didn't know when um, the lights were going to come back on. We didn't know when classes were going to come back on. True. We had le- lectures, uh, lectures were not on. Even like food, it was like, we didn't know... Where to go for food. Yeah, where to go for food because 
obviously it was a black and stuff. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think in that sense, like even light as in there was no electricity. Yeah. It's pretty huge. I yeah, think. it takes out everything. <laughs> yeah, legit. And you even think about like in um, TV shows and movies, there's, there's difference between, have you ever noticed that they look different? Like a TV show like The Office and a movie like, you know, any movie, they look different. Yeah, like the lighting yeah. and everything. It's yeah. because the lighting is different. Where TV shows, they're casted like, you know, they're at a theatre or something. Yeah. But, you know, light is manipulated in a movie to cast emotions and things. Ooh. Yeah. Wow. And things like that. You know, Visual storyteller right anyway, here anyway. What I'm, trying to say, what I'm trying to say is like light is huge, even in our world today. Yeah. And so where I want to where, where carry this um, podcast today is we're going to look at the three perspectives of the people in this event listening to what Jesus was saying. Yeah. And the three people are obviously the Pharisees that we said, what were their, what were their mindsets, um, listening to what Jesus was saying. The second one was the accused woman. And then the thirdly, just the general crowd that was around. Obviously this crowd was, was probably most likely present when Jesus was saying, I'm the better life. And then now they're ready to, cast stones at this woman and so this is like a swaying crowd and so we're going to look at the implications of that and stuff and so i'm going to talk about the pharisees what what how do you what do you think they received the message of jesus saying i'm the light of the world so just double checking again the pharisees were the the teachers they're yeah. the ones who were they the lady. jesus's teachers or just no, teachers in general like, Teachers of the they people. Were, like, they were primary teachers. No, like, okay, yeah, of the it. Bible. Yep, yep, yep. Okay. Okay. Like religious leaders. Yeah. Uh, I feel like they probably thought that maybe Jesus was taking over their role as being Ooh, the teachers and over, the yeah. leaders of the time. I guess they would have been so angry with him. I feel like they just had all this passive aggressiveness. Just they had their hands like yeah. in a fist. Oh Jesus! They were so used to being the pe- the people that everyone would come to yeah and now this guy's there that everyone is now probably going to be going yeah. to they're so all yeah. samsung's and then jesus the apple they're like oh what's this if you're samsung user you're not bad <laughs> so for jesus to say that i'm the light of the world is like implying that he's a spiritual guide which is pretty huge for the pharisees because he's kind of saying that the light is meant to humble them to see their need for self-examination because they bought this accused woman, um, thinking that they they were perfect, thinking that they, they had no sins at all, accusing this woman to be stoned. And so for Jesus to say, I'm the light, is like he's humbling them mm. for them to see that they need to examine themselves before they go cast judgment on others. Ooh, this, man. That's, that would resonate with a lot of people because mm-hmm. there are some judgment people out there. That's true. And so if, I hope I'm not one of them. <laughs> so if, if for, for Jesus to say, I'm the light of the world, if you're listening to this right now, the light humbles us to see our need for self-examination. Mm-hmm. It's the need um, to see that there's something bigger than ourselves, which is Jesus. Oh, yeah. I like that. And so this was probably going through the Pharisees' mind. And so... The challenge there is there are some things that you'd probably need to submit to Jesus at this time so you can walk in his light. There's some things that, that you hold on to or some underlying agendas or anything that 
you you require to you need to submit to to Jesus if you want to walk in His light because we're not we're not called to walk in darkness. He's calling us to His light. Mm, I love right, that. right. So that's the Pharisees. That's their perspective. We're going to look at the accused woman, and this is like my favorite perspective mm. because I relate to it a lot. Because um, here's this woman, like we don't know much about her history, but no one just like you can just kind of sense that brokenness, I guess. Yeah. To bounce between relationships, um, be known as an adulterer of that day. Um, I don't, I'm not sure if she had a husband. Maybe she did belong to a husband, but that would have been like having a sing, being a single woman, um, it, it, interacting sexual relationships in that day. Yeah, and and just the public humiliation. That's public humiliation. That's crazy. Like to to have what they say your dirty laundry aired out in public. Mm -hmm. It's it's not. I think a lot for a lot of people that's a scary thing. Yeah, to this I, day and age, being caught out. Yeah, I just struggle with the fact that the man wasn't there either. Like, it was just mm, her. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a two-person thing. <laughs> it takes two to tango, <laughs> for sure. Where's the fairness yeah. in that? Yeah, exactly. No, absolutely. And like, What if the Pharisees were one of the men? Anyway, ooh, hot, red oh. hot, red hot take. <laughs> <laughs> and the, all this is like, how is this woman then receiving what Jesus is saying that I'm the light? To you That you're not called To walk in, in darkness And so She was in a situation Where no one gave her A second chance She like Thinking about it The story She was Brought into this crowd To pretty much die mm. To be stoned to death And she didn't get A second chance An opportunity To change her Ways I guess mm. To change Change the course of her life Until Jesus did Ultimately But You see When Jesus says Light It this is what I'm thinking that she's receiving is that the light brings clarity and it's second chances to our narratives because there's life when we follow the light. And that's what Jesus is saying that in, in verse 12, because you will have light that leads to life. And so I know a lot of people right now, maybe you're listening, or maybe some of us in the table, like we feel like we're in a patch of darkness. Mm, for sure. Yeah. Mm. And like Jesus is saying that I, I can be the spiritual light in that darkness for you. You're just to walk with me. How good. Yeah. And so for this woman to hear it, like we got to see that she, Jesus called her up and said no more. So who knows? She's probably the boss, boss man now, but not now, but you know what I mean? <laughs> My question to that is darkness is, is the absence of light. So what 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 dark period do you feel requires the light of Jesus? Required the light, light of Jesus? Did you guys ever face any dark periods? Yeah, I mean, I've had a few. And I feel like what people struggle with when they are going through this dark period of their life is that they forget that Jesus is actually there. And it's hard to just, um, it's hard to remember that. And to just think that, oh, Jesus doesn't exist. He's not looking out for me. I've went through that experience many times. Um, yeah. What do you think, John? Yeah, I think, I think as people, there we go through so much times where we feel there is no light coming in. It's mm. just us, darkness, in our own thoughts. And I think what is so beautiful about this story with Jesus is that 
He doesn't care about that. Like he's willing to step in in our darkest points and put us in a position to walk in a a life that is filled with love, mm. filled with light. Mm-hmm. And that's so crucial because yeah, there, there like I've gone through so many things. Like, like we don't have the. It'll take like two days to talk about my <laughs> darkness, but I'm so glad that Jesus was the light of Jesus was there for me because mm-hmm. that was that's that is what pulled me through. Yeah, absolutely. So the, you have the Pharisees, the accused women, and lastly the crowd. Now, as I mentioned before, um, the crowd most likely had been listening to Jesus. Like from the Mount of Olives, saying I'm the bit of life. Probably the same crowd. It's not distinct, but I'm just saying that um, some of them may have, may have may have been. This woman being accused, brought out, and they were like silent. No one said anything. No one stood up for this woman. Yeah. Um, silent, and so I'm I'm just saying like there's some people that are that are probably in the crowd, and I want to challenge you like if you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. Ooh. Don't be. Like, um, and I think this is the life that Jesus is calling Christians to be, like to stand up um, <laughs> for mm-hmm. some some things that are injustice in the world. And so walking in light calls you to be the light in every dark situation. And even in that dark situation, you're called to be the light, whether it's in your, your home, your workplace, um, in the community, you're actually called to be the light in that situation. Like Jesus is calling you to that. And so walking in Jesus isn't silent. It's not about being fake. You can't pick or choose your fights. But yes, but you're called to be light everywhere you go. And I'm talking to some people. Um, and so the follow-up question there is, how are you being the light in your everyday life? I want, I want to challenge you to that. And so I want to bring back and wrap up in our... In our we, we unpacked a lot. We talked about a lot from different perspectives. But I'm just going to bring it back to the big idea which is simply in a in the world full, filled with darkness, um, it needs more light. And for Jesus to say, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you have the light that leads to life. He's calling you to be that light, to be the light in the situation. He's calling you to a life of light. And so if this is you, you've been challenged, you, you find yourself questioning a few things. Uh, I invite you now to just pray with us. I want to pray a blessing of you, but also I want to pray that you may take the challenge that Jesus is calling you to your life of light, which is ultimately life um, beyond this dark world. Um, and I just want to pray for you. So if you feel comfortable, close your eyes. With it. But if you're driving, don't close your eyes. Yeah, don't close your eyes, please. If you're doing any sort of <laughs> behavior, any yeah, activity <laughs> that will cause you to crash, yeah. All right. we do not condone that. <laughs> Sweet, let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you are the light. You are like a lighthouse and we just, we can live this world knowing where we're going, not lost and not in the dark. I just want to pray that you may fill that space. Pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, John, I just feel like I've gotten way more of an insight on one of Jesus's many names, I am the light. And I just feel like I've been given the challenge to like go out and be that advocate for people just like he was to that woman that was being accused for adultery. He gave her a second chance when no one else did and maybe that sometimes that's what people need, just yeah. that second chance. I love that, G. So let's get Liddy in our city. <laughs> if you want to find out more about us, 
We meet at, in Newcastle on Derby Street at Will and Sons Cafe at 11am. You can just walk straight up the stairs. We meet at the top. And if you want to find out more, you can find us on Instagram, citieschurch.co. So thank you for listening for us this week. We are Streetlights, powered by the cities. <laughs>